Hello builders. Welcome to the Builders Club Startup Founders podcast. A podcast for founders to upskill themselves and understand the founder mindset. Every week, we sit with the best minds in the startup ecosystem and understand what it takes to start, run and scale businesses. This podcast is from one of our recordings of our water cooler conversations. A weekly community AMA where we get established entrepreneurs to discuss their strategies and their mindset in front of our community members. So sit back, relax and let's start with the episode. So welcome Arjun first of all uh, to the Builders Club. Uh, you know, for all of you joining in, this is, I guess, our 20th water cooler conversation. Uh, and this time around, we have Arjun Vadya with us. Um, so, Arjun is a D2C brand founder and an angel investor. He belongs to the, to the Vadya family, who has over 150 years of Ayurvedic heritage. Now, their formulations have been passed on from generation to generation. And in 2016, uh, you know, he... When he came back from Brown University after working in a few companies, he decided to take this knowledge of his forefathers and decided to launch Dr. Vadyas, a brand which became India's largest Ayurveda brand online in four years' time. And today the company owns 100 plus FDA-approved uh, you know, formulations for the Ayurvedic medicine, all manufactured in their own factory. Um, in 2019, Dr. Vadya partnered up with the Goenka Group and in 2021, uh, Goenka Group has acquired the brand. So it has been a very, very successful exit by Arjun as well. Um, he has been featured in the Fortune Asia 30 under 30 and in Business World 40 under 40 list. Uh, and today he is here to impart knowledge and tell us more about his journey. So welcome Arjun to the Builders Club. Hey, thanks so much for having me yeah, and, and, and yeah introducing me to discord as well uh, this is my first time here so how's it been going man how's how's it going arjun you you seem to hit uh, start 2021 on a on a high stride yeah i think life is a little bit more uh relaxed now than it was uh, building uh, yeah. but but yeah it's been a it's been an interesting start to the year and i think allowed to do uh, a lot more things that i i couldn't do while i was a founder but yeah, I do, I do miss I do miss the the day to day hustle of a of a D2C brand as well. So it's been nice, nice to have some time off. But 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 it's it's been a bit different. Yeah 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 yeah. Cool, Arjun. I think we can start off the conversation by knowing a little bit about your 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 journey because it's been a very interesting thing. You actually uh had a kind of a family heritage in ayurveda and you kind of gave it the the new age spin and went into a kind of a startup uh, phase you actually took it the other way around where a legacy business took the startup route um, wanted to know a little bit about you know your you know your early lives how exactly was ayurveda a part of your life and why exactly did you you know how exactly did dr vadya happen or yeah. So I, I I think I'll start with uh, sort of my family legacy, right? Yeah. Because that's where uh, the whole story started, um, and then talk about sort of my experiences and what led me to this business as well, right? 
so basically vaidya my last name is ayurvedic doctor i come from a legacy of 150 years of ayurveda in my family my grandfather great grandfather and sort of generations before were all ayurvedic doctors um the legacy of the business was actually it wasn't a business my granddad ran a clinic which was run by his father um and 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 um sort of it was a standard ayurvedic clinic patients coming in um all of that kind of stuff um, ah. but as a family we owned a 100 plus formulations we passed down from generation to generation so those were that was sort of the ip and and, and the legacy of formulations passed down um, my dad was a pretty famous doctor he was probably india's most successful ayurvedic doctor at the time he used to see 300 patients a day had 12000 patients a month right in that post wow. uh, but he didn't really care for business he didn't really care for sales distribution marketing strategy he was man of service so free consultation in his clinic he came to consult him in his fee and he only paid for the medicine yeah. um in the 90s my dad wanted to uh, um sort of he he wasn't a doctor he wanted to make a brand out of it and so my dad tried to make what my dada had into a, a business uh, but but my granddad wasn't interested in marketing he didn't understand why he had to pay money to get people to buy your product cuz there were three people walking in a day asking him for advice and she my dad went his own way and started with jewelry and watch business and, and that's what that's what he's been running for 35 years uh, but i grew up with asthma so i started suffering from asthma at age 2 um, i grew up with pumps nebulizers steroids inhalers and then um asthma sort of prevented me from having a normal life i wasn't allowed to play cricket when i was young because there was too much dust on the cricket field um and i wasn't allowed to have ice cream or coca cola growing up and sort of that 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 prevented me from having a normal life in 14 years of ayurvedic treatment later i was cured of asthma so um ayurveda had sort of a deeper impact in my life than um just being sort of family legacy um and i spent a lot of time with my granddad growing up as well um in 2009 i went from my undergrad to the us um and i saw the move towards natural organic products but i also saw yoga being repackaged right with yoga mats yoga gyms yoga apparel um and lululemon i saw a multi billion dollar industry created in the us with sort of using things that were were basically ours and 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 repackaging it and selling it back to us i thought to myself that we shouldn't let the same happen with ayurveda I came back to India in 2013. I worked in private equity for a uh, for quite some time actually. I worked at a consumer sector fund, uh, consumer sector focused fund called L Capital, and, and spent a lot of time on the Indian consumption story. So I saw a big change in in consumption in India. I saw um, Indian Indian consumers were sort of obsessed with imported products as I was growing up. I remember being gifted a Japanese electronic sharpener for my 11th birthday. Um, and that was a change, right? We were happy to consume quintessential Indian brands. The fund that I worked at had also invested in Fab India um, and PVR Cinema, so I was seeing the proliferation of Indian brands. And I also got the sort of good fortune or the opportunity to work um, on the whole e-commerce story in India pretty early on. So 2013-14, I um, got to spend time on Mintra, evaluate an investment there, and then companies like Pepperfries, Evami, Bluestone, and, and so I got I got. a gist a sort of a early experience into e-commerce and and the exponential growth that e-commerce had um i think at the same time ayurveda was also undergoing a renaissance so shivayush was created and um sort of government changed and and patanjali revolution was happening so there were hundreds of thousands of consumers who actually 
or became interested in Ayurveda again. And in all of this, unfortunately, my grandfather passed, right? And so we had this legacy, we had these formulations, we had the macro supporting it. And at some point, I made my grandfather promise as well that I take on his legacy. All the pieces came together. I quit my job and in October 2016, I started a brand. I named it after my grandfather. So I called it Dr. Vedya's. The idea that we wanted to make Ayurveda new age and sort of appealing and accessible to modern consumers. Long story short, in four and a half years, launched 70 products, took our business from zero to 5,000 orders a day, did a million and a half orders on our website. Uh, but most interestingly, we actually reached 16,500 pin codes in India. Um, so we went pretty deep into India. Um, and yeah, fortunately for us, um, created a lot of value, became India's largest Ayurveda brand online. And then two months ago, we were able to sell the business as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this was technically a four-year journey, so to speak. Slightly more than four, four and a half years. Interesting, yeah. So you had kind of a family business, which you kind of pivoted, if I may use that word, word uh, into a kind of a D2C brand. Were there any, uh, you know, pushbacks that came from 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 the family or from, you know, because this is this is new blood trying to do new things. And what if things go wrong? Was there, were there anything like that which happened? I think from the perspective of, of sort of pushback, I mean, after my grandfather, there was nobody in the family looking at it. So in that sense, I didn't really have um, anyone to report to as such. But interestingly, the first product that I launched was a hangover product. Um, it's still pretty popular. It's called Live It Up. So from that perspective, like there were a lot of people in the Ayurveda industry who looked at me and said, this guy is selling hangover in the name of Ayurveda. So that doesn't really make much sense. Yeah, so, so I think there was no pushback in, from the family's perspective. Uh, but but I think from from a, a industry perspective, people are really confused why we were doing everything online. And people are also confused why we were selling Chavan Prash and a toffee and why we were selling hangover products. Mm. Uh, but I think that that's just the way we went about things. Right? We want to do something genuinely new age and unique. No, that's that's an interesting point because this is where you know I would love to understand the zero to one journey because Ayurved as a as a market is something relatively unknown, you know it's a very very specific niche, uh, and and how exactly did you go about it? How what what's what was the initial days like? What kind of innovations did your people do in terms of either distribution or in terms of uh, product? And what kind of traction did your people see? And what kind of competitors? What do you, you know, in, in terms of the zero to one journey, what all did you people face? Yeah, so I think, uh, interesting question. It was it was a challenge, right? Because today we talk about D2C and online brands and e-commerce brands and all of those things. Um, and it's pretty commonplace today. But in 2016, 17, when we had started our journey um, and we said we're going to be e-commerce only, people laughed at us, right? Because one, it was e-commerce brands were sort of not a thing and two Ayurveda was fundamentally and traditionally sold offline right so I think we tried to do everything slightly differently the first thing was that basically you know we launched unique products right so the first two products we launched were Herbo Fit which is the goodness of Chavan Prash in a capsule so it made Chavan Prash sort of multivitamized and easy to con consume as compared to the black bitter sticky paste um, the second one we launched was a hangover product um, so I think we started with these two products and, and I think, um, look, like like everybody else at that time, you, we started with offline as well. 
Um, and in three months, I realized very quickly, sort of in early 2017, that offline was a highly competitive market for Ayurveda. There were already many large brands, but but also, you know, I had this experience of I had sold 10 lakh rupees worth of product at that time um, to to multiple distributors in Bombay and set up a sales team of 22 people, um, and that was sort of very exciting for me. Right? I did 10 lakh rupees of sales to distributors. um and and i thought everything was going great and i had all these sales boys going to retail shops and selling the product and the distributors moving the product to the retail shops three months later i got 9 lakhs of those 10 lakh rupees worth of product back um and that just shocked me i was like what's happening here like this just doesn't make any sense right like i have 22 people in the in the field i have 10 lakhs worth of product out of which 9 lakhs have come back it's just not making sense right and and very quickly we realized that offline was a highly competitive market which already had a lot of established players and needed a lot of money so that's actually what forced us to pivot completely online we were initially trying a bit of both we pivoted completely online after this experience um and my wife joined the business as well at that time um she was my girlfriend and we just got engaged and um she had worked in the founding team of nike actually the first 20 folks at nike um so she saw um you know she moved back from the uk um and then she she started sort of um working at nike and she saw really the early proliferation of marketplaces and of e-commerce brands um and i think her coming on board sort of pushed the online uh, envelope even further and november 2017 actually we launched our own website um and i remember we were doing one to three one order every three days on our website in november 2017 nice and in that one year that was a zero to one really from november 2017 to november 2018 we went from one order every 3 days to being sort of completely d2c focused and got up to 50 orders a day right and we launched another 20 products in that time period saying that like two products is not enough we'll have a genuine high quality experience on our own website and we will draw customers to come on our own website i think today if you think about 50 orders is in some great shakes right because a lot of brands do 50 orders but in 2018 actually 50 orders on your own brand website was a pretty big deal Absolutely. So I think that was for us the zero to one story, like one year of just putting our heads down and figuring out how we were able to generate traffic and the right traffic and conversions on our website, um, and sort of bring customers in. No, no, that's that's a very interesting point. Yeah. So you built your own distribution as well, and and this is this is which year? This is twenty sixteen. So so twenty sixteen we started first year. We were just trying to figure out what we were doing. November 2017 is when we launched our website and we increased the product portfolio from 2 to 20 products and in between 2017 and 2018 we went from sort of on order every 3 days to 50 orders a day at 50 orders a day i feel that we had hit product market fit right so we were doing 50 orders a day our customer acquisition cost was about 35% of our revenue and from there we basically smelled the business right we said okay now we know what we're doing now let's scale So, so you didn't. So, especially, so just this is purely from a perspective of somebody who wants to start a D two C brand. They usually focus on the, you know, they would either, you know, go to an Amazon or a Flipkart to sell their products. So you uh, took the different route. You wanted to build your own distribution as well. Any specific reason why? I think there's there's basically largely three reasons why we did that. First is that look, all the competition that we were talking about that was eating us up offline was all present on the Amazons of the world as well, right? So 
Amazon basically looked like a retail shop for Ayurvedic products because the Dabers, Patanjali's, Imamis, Bedinaths of the world were all there, right? And so when you go on Amazon, you're basically sort of apples to apples competition with these people and and they have to be cheaper than you because they're producing 10 times the quantity that you are or 100 times the quantity or a thousand times the quantity that you are. That was the first thing. So we didn't want to be compared because we were selling genuinely unique products. The second thing is, you know, Ayurveda is about sort of long-term treatments as so you need to bring customers back to get the best results. You don't have any visibility of data on Amazon, right? You don't own the customer data and you cannot push the repeats. Amazon can. I think that was the second reason why we sort of wanted to focus on our own websites. We control the channel. And the third is when you have your own captive channel, right? The lever of growth is in your hands. You're the one in control of your growth, growth, degrowth, marketing expense, etc. all of that. And so actually, if you think about it, I went to Amazon um, and I said, hey, you know, like, we're doing a thousand orders a day on our website in 2019. We're only doing a hundred on Amazon. Probably the only brand that does 10 times the amount of sales we do on Amazon on our own website. Um, do something about it. And at that point, I then had negotiating leverage with Amazon as well to say, hey, yeah, like, yeah. this is moving too slowly from your end. You guys need to push me through. Yeah. yeah. Wanted to understand the whole competitive landscape of, of the whole Ayurveda sector, yeah. Because this is, again, as I said, you know, uh, an ecosystem or a, or a business which not, you know, legacy players are there and, you know, not many people really pay, pay much attention to it. So, what exactly is the competitive landscape of, of the Ayurveda market? So, Ayurveda is a pretty interesting market in the sense that there are like six or seven players who do more than $100 million of revenue each. Um, so, wow. there's Tabar, Patanjali, Mami, Bedinath, Himalaya, um, Charak, they all do like 500 crores, 600 crores plus in sales. And then knows Patanji does 10,000 crores, right? So, so pretty competitive um, landscape there. And then um, other than these players, you have then like 7,500 players below 20 crores per annum, right? So what we saw as a big opportunity is there were no mid-market brands, right? No market, no brands that sort of broke out of the sub-20 crore range and, and sort of sat in that middle range and, and were growing. Um, and, and, and and that's the space that we occupied. Nice. I'll, I'll open up the floor to the audience now just for questions. Anybody has any questions, you can just unmute and ask uh, a question to Arjun. Uh, Arjun, I had one question. Like, I yeah. wanted to understand, like, what kind of presence did you have before launching it online, like uh, in 2016? When you launched online, before that, what kind of presence did the family had? Like equity, brand equity, and what kind of consumer base? Geographically, how much area did you use to cover the family? Yeah, there was no, there was no uh, sort of presence geographically, etc. My dada had one clinic in Bombay, um, and he had sort of hundred patients or fifty patients a day coming to that clinic towards the latter part of his life. I think the last four or five years he slowed down himself. So we had that customer base and then sort of spread across India customers who used to write them by a post. But that's pretty much it. It was just my dada's patients. Ooh, that's that's very interesting. So you when when you went online, uh, what what were what who were the first few customers that you actually experienced? And what was the marketing channel that you used? I think the first few customers, you know, even just when we started, I wrote a letter to all my dada's old patients as well. Saying that, you know, he's gone, but we're taking forward his legacy and we're bringing it back. I think I, I, I sent out like 15,000 letters, actual letters, right? Because we didn't even have email addresses of these people. 
we just had their postal addresses i think that generated a lot of sort of equity and people were really happy and excited and and they spread the word so that was the first set of customers that we got and then yeah we we, we like any other brand we use a typical acquisition channels as well um, we used a lot of social media so advertised through facebook google surprisingly actually most people won't believe but we were one of india's top 10 advertisers on tiktok as well because 82% of our sales came from outside the top 10 cities so we were typically a bharat brand who sort of went very deep into this country um so yeah i think um, initially started with the loyal customers of my grandfather but then had to go from sort of 15000 customers to hundreds of thousands of customers um, and so had to use sort of um traditional digital marketing to to get to these customers and how did you manage on the trust part like uh, we already had established player like badnath and everybody so how did you uh, able basically uh, gain the trust of the customers yeah yeah i think it's a really good question and i think what what we strategically used was look dr vaidya is a great name right because vaidya means ayurvedic doctor so in the name itself lends to credibility because most people have heard vaid or vaidya in their life that's the first thing the second thing is you know most people mistake dr vaidya for being an age old family business that's because we use 150 years of legacy in our marketing a lot so while we may not have been a 150 year old brand uh, the the family had 150 years of legacy and so we 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 were very forthright in marketing that i think those two things um And, and obviously using high quality products and creating high quality products i think these three things help us gain trust in a market where in four and a half years we were able to sort of achieve pole position in the online space and 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 move well ahead of our competitors um who are more established brands online hey uh, kamal here like uh, amazing story man uh, i just wanted to know like uh, as as you told it uh, would love to know the brand story of dr vadias like Uh, the thing is like uh, there are many competitors in this market like uh, if, if you take an example of patanjali he has a big phase right uh, baba ramdev is a big phase of the patanjali so you do you guys don't have any wouldn't any big phase as such except your uh, grandfather's uh, legacy customers ever so how did you like like uh, made the whole brand story out of uh, this the brand the brand doctor vadya really Yeah, really nice, nice question. Actually, so so look, uh, I think um, initially when I started, there were a lot of people who said, "Hey, you need to get a Baba to support you because Baba Ramdev is for Patanjali, so you need to find someone." Yeah. Uh, but I, I just said, "No, that's not what our brand is going to stand for." So look, um, I think uh, the key was like a lot of people say that Patanjali, Dabur, Himalaya, all of these are competition, right? The reality was that you know even at scale. Doctor Vedas is on like a seventy, eighty crore run rate per annum, right? Of sales, that's where I left the business at. These businesses do five hundred thousand, two thousand crores, right? So we're very, very sort of humble in accepting that these are not our competition; they are our aspiration, right? So let's not try to ape or mimic these guys. Let's do what we're good at. Let's play the game of golf. We're playing against each other, right? So we established our brand as Doctor Vedas New Age Ayurveda. Or Ayurveda for the twenty-first century, right? So we wanted to reconnect Ayurveda with customers like you, um, and and using online, easy to understand communication, simple brand names, explaining the benefits of the product clearly. We try to re-establish the connect between Ayurveda and younger or twenty-first century consumers. So we did our own thing. Um, our three main brand attributes were actually New Age Ayurveda, twenty-first century, and proudly Indian. That's the that's the sort of. three attributes that we were we were going with when we when we marketed our brand very interesting amazing yeah
Hey Arjun, uh, Sadhat here. Uh, thanks for doing this AMA. Uh, Arjun, I have a question in terms of the uh, the science of Ayurveda, right? Uh, so the science of Ayurveda, I think, you know, uh, I, whatever Vedas I've spoken to, right, there's Khadiwale Vedas and Jamlagri and Balaji Thambay and all these guys, uh, they typically take a lot of time actually studying the history of the patient, right, and what points are turned on, turned off and what to, what effects and, you know, uh, uh, things they have on your body in the long term, right. Uh, now, uh, you have created a great brand. But uh, in Ayurveda, does this one-size-fit-all kind of thing work? Yeah, that's question number one. Um, after that, probably I'll have a follow-up question. Oh, I think you're, you're, you're right. Uh, I think the most traditional and, and sort of best way to do it is to go to an Ayurvedic doctor who takes your Nadi Pariksha, um, understands your dosha and then provides sort of relevant treatments for you. Um, so yeah, I think that's the, that's the traditional way of looking at it. and, and Reality is that um, you know while that's the that's the ancient way of doing things, uh, people don't have the ability to access these doctors, have the time, have the effort, have the energy. So we try to replicate that as best as we could using an online consultation and doing a one-to-one. -one. Um, in a best case, actually, a doctor should be sort of making the medicine for the patient specifically. Uh, but the reality is, and that becomes very unscientific, right? Because the doctor is mixing things together. There is no standardization in that process, etc. Um, so I think there there are pros of doing that um, personalized treatment. Uh, but I think the reality is, in, in today's sort of twenty first century um, scenario and environment that we live in, we had to find a solution that sort of made it easier for customers to access. We're solving the problem of access right now. Um, and, and knowledge in, in modern consumers is still very low. So I think that's what we set out to do. Um, I think the the other business plan which I had written actually was a brand called Mayurveda. I never got the time to launch it, but that was personalized Ayurveda. So you come on the website, you fill like a Nadi Pariksha type um, questionnaire of like 20, 25 questions. And then we make a, a sort of specialized, personalized Ayurvedic medicine for you, but never got around to launching that. That's interesting. Very interesting. Uh, another part of the question, uh, uh, Arshun, is um, so you know we are here uh, all builders here, and we are interested in probably how uh, you are making use of technology to you know uh, capture more market, right? Uh, so from that standpoint, um, do you actually have any uh, technology inputs given from the sensors or? Uh, the kind of data points that are available through, you know, variables and, you know, regular stuff. Uh, so, uh, do you have any uh, those kind of data points and you do some uh, analytics and basis that can you predict some stuff as well? Yeah, so I think that, that, that's a good point. I spent a lot of time with a startup called Ayurhythm. Um, they're a startup that tried to sort of replicate the Nadi Pariksha using the infrared um Sort of scanner of the mobile phone, right? So you just put your finger on the on the mobile phone camera, um, and basis that they're able to sort of get your Nadi. I think I, I think they met me in 2018, and I, I was in touch with them for like two two and a half years, and I'm still in touch with them. Um, I think there's huge scope in that market as well, um, because if you're able to do that, then you're able to properly replicate the in clinic experience of Ayurveda um, and an Ayurvedic doctor at scale just digitally uh, but I think the the technology was still not very accurate and we did it it was about 60% accurate as compared to a doctor's um, feedback and, and we did a lot of trials for them actually 
because we were on the only Ayurvedic brands that had in-clinic walk-in, so we could actually test this stuff. Um, so yeah, I think I, I, I mean, there's many startups coming up like this. Um, they have some way to go to get the accuracy, but but I think it would just fundamentally change the experience. Fantastic, fantastic. Hope um, Arjun that Ayurvedic also catches up someday. Uh, one yeah, one absolutely. last quick question. <laughs> one last quick question. Um, so nowadays, all of us are taking vaccinations of COVID, right? So a lot of friends actually we keep discussing that after taking the vaccination, everyone faces all these fever, feverish kind of symptoms and all those kind of things for two days, right? Are there any quick remedies that uh, you can recommend for that? Uh, Ayurveda doesn't have any quick remedies for fever as such. Um, like there is no paracetamol equivalent of Ayurveda. What I do recommend though is this all happens because of sort of no immunity, right? So, so I've taken both doses of the vaccine, by the way. Um, okay. And I, I didn't have any fever. Um, I had a little bit of sluggishness after the second dose, but no fever and I was sort of um, totally active and mobile. So I think the idea is really, um, acetamol can stop the fever, but, but the immunity boosters. So I would highly recommend actually everyone here um, start using Ashwagandha and Giloy, um, Guruji in, in, in some way, shape or form. And add Kadha to your daily life if you can, um, just at least in, in, in this period that we're in. Um, these would really help and I, I mean, I've been on it for a very long time and it's really helped me. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't say we went rural, uh, we went semi-urban for sure. Um, uh, not much, not much e-commerce still happens in rural, rural India. Um, but but I, I think we went, we went pretty deep um, into the country and, and we went to sort of, there are three cities at least, if not near four cities. Um, I think, look, um, I wouldn't say there's a specific difference between urban and um, sort of metro behavior versus tier two, tier three, um, except that we use a lot of regional language communication, right? So we use a lot of Hindi, English, um, Bengali, Gujarati, um, Malayalam, Kannada, those kind of ads, and, and those work really well for us in specific micro markets and geographies. Um, from a repeat perspective, we're actually pretty healthy. So. Um, on a monthly basis, 35% of our customers will actually repeat, um, even though we are growing the business actively in terms of number of users and scale of business on a monthly basis. Um, so we saw that. We also saw a very interesting trend. Um, we saw that second time a customer buys from us, they would buy sort of 25 to 30% more um, in terms of the average order value as well. So that was a sort of good sign. And we did our best as a business actually to ensure the customer consumed the product correctly and repeated if needed, right? So if let's say you were you had taken a three-month diabetes, um, you should have been on three-month diabetes treatment, but because you didn't want to block your income, you only bought one month of medicine one time, on the 25th day after your delivery, there would be a call and an email and SMS that went out to you saying, hey, by the way, it's time to restock. Like, um, how's your feedback on the medicine? And, 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 and please restock to continue dosage, et cetera, all of that. Anybody else has a question? Uh, yeah, no, no. I have a follow-up question on this. Yeah, go on. You mentioned that uh, you were primarily on the urban and semi-urban sector. And you also mentioned that you were uh, you were marketing via TikTok. So how effective was TikTok in marketing to the urban uh, urban society, urban population? Yeah, look, 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 I think that... Um, Actually, I want to know about TikTok the whole extremely TikTok experience effective. itself. Yeah, it was really, really good experience. Um, it was a really good experience for us to work with them. 
Look, I'll tell you why we decided to work with them first, right? It was because we were seeing that like more than 80% of our orders was coming from outside the top 10 cities. Um, and so we said it's just a no-brainer that we should use TikTok, right? Uh, when we started working with them, actually, what we found was that just imagine doing Facebook advertising in 2010, right? You'd get an account manager even if you spent 5,000 rupees a day. Your account manager would help you optimize the campaigns on a daily basis. If your ROI was running low, they would actually help you and problem solve for you internally in TikTok. So things were much more collaborative um, than it is with sort of mature platforms like Google and Facebook. They would come, they would help us with creative, they would give us creative best practices, they would check our creatives, give us advice on our creatives, tell us what's trending on the platform, etc. I think what we liked is actually uh, the collaborative experience and that helped us scale from sort of 5,000 rupees a day within six months to 3 lakh rupees a day in spends. And which is which is sort of very, very quick, rapid increase in spend, keeping ROI at the levels that we wanted to keep it. That's interesting. And from a, from a reach perspective, TikTok is also very highly used in, in urban and was very highly used in urban India as well. It's just that maybe the elite customers may not be using it, but even in the big cities, TikTok uses it very high. So, so just just want to understand the kind of campaigns that you people did with TikTok. I mean, how exactly did you go about it? Were there ads, or were you were you doing integrations, or were you doing campaigns around the whole? Pack? Well, we did we did influencer marketing on TikTok. We did do influencer marketing on TikTok, but the bulk of the spends were still performance ads. And those actually worked, huh? Worked very well for us. Very well. Very interesting. Very interesting. Cool. Anybody else has a question? Yeah, like I had a follow-up question. Like uh, the thing is, like you said that you went to make your website at, uh, on November two thousand eighteen, right? But to say like at that time, maybe as the Indian households, Ayurvedic was considered only by this old people as this new generation would obviously like were very reluctant towards Ayurvedic technology. So how did you went there, like getting this old people using your tech website to order the medicines online? So so actually, we weren't a brand that had sort of the typical, like like you have in your mind that older consumers only buy Ayurveda. Um, like any other online business, actually, 20 to 40 age groups sort of contribute to about 65% of our revenue, right? So um, I think two things we did differently. One is our, the way we marketed products was very simple for you to understand. Product names were simple, herb names were simple, benefits were simple. So if you needed a immunity, energy, sexual wellness, weight management, hair, skin, cough, cold medicine as well, this medicine wasn't alienating to you or these products weren't alienating to you. Right? So I think that's the first thing. Um, the second thing was that uh, it could have been that a lot of younger customers were buying for their parents um, because we, we did see anecdotally a lot of those experiences, right? A 22-year-old customer buying arthritis medicine was definitely not for themselves. It was a mix of these two things. No, no. So that actually brings me to just a follow up on this on this question. Uh, what are the basic user profiles, the user personas that you that you actually saw for for the, for the products? Oh uh, yeah. So I think um, we sold a bunch of different products, right? Um, so each product has its own user persona. Um, so for example, we had a muscle gain product that had a different user persona from a diabetes product from a immunity product, from a sexual wellness product, from arthritis product. 
largely um you know we were we were sort of catering to um bharat customer um so so um as i said 20 to 40 years old 65% was was that um sort of um um section of customers and and i think we are very mindful to say that we're not going to be a premium brand or luxury brand octavia is a mass premium brand and so it's accessible to all anyone can access this brand and not feel alienated to it right? and, and and so that was very clear and, and that helped us reach scale no so uh, just just to uh, add on to that one very interesting top, uh, thing which i which you know which which you said was around the product uh, expansion the product line expansion when you went from like two products to 20 products in in a year's time was there was there any method to the madness there as in were there were you mindful of what you people were launching or were you people were like take a matlab now that we have validation of the distribution channel let's just open it open everything up so i think we were lucky to have formulations ready like my dad left me behind with a lot of formulations so we had formulations ready um i think when we went from 2 to 20 we had no idea what we were doing to be honest we just we need a bunch of products so let's just go and add what seemed like it moved in my dad's clinic but from there actually we were very mindful of launches and we actually listened to customers a lot to come up with launches give you one example right in july 2019 we launched a product called herbo build was the world's first all natural ayurvedic muscle gain supplement this product is i think still number one best seller in the health and personal care category on amazon above dabar above patanjali above himalaya all of these brands right uh, that all came from customer insights customers wanted this product they told us they wanted it yeah yeah so uh, so arjun the more i actually listen to your story that reminds me of that movie uh, this khandani shafa kana amazing story man Uh, i had a uh, i had a question in terms of the branding and packaging again right it is it is phenomenal and herbo build so i've come across herbo build numerous times a few of my friends do use it um so uh, do you have like a special team for uh, branding and packaging ideas or you know it's all your brainchild i just wrote a post about this on linkedin um pretty recently actually so look we were a startup and i mean like all startups you we were sort of um strapped for budgets so uh, my dad actually started a jewelry and watch business and he by profession is a designer he's a jewelry designer when i had when i was starting up i had no money to hire a packaging agency or a proper agency so i just requested my dad and one of my friends from school to help me with the packaging and they did they did an exceptional job so from there i actually got my dad to do all the packaging work of dr vedas and so his jewelry designers and him should design all our packaging and and i think they did an exceptional job yeah yeah in here uh one question which i had was you know this this whole partnership with the goika group why exactly did you people start this and how exactly did it you know end up in an acquisition what was the story there yeah so I, i think good question i think so, so i think uh, we were looking to raise capital and so we were out in the market and multiple people multiple conversations and, and I, i had a chance to speak to them as well so they reached out to us um and i think for me the reason that we actually chose them was the conviction that they had right so i remember we were doing 8 lakh rupees a month when i met sanjeev goinka the first time in calcutta um and he said this is going to be a 500 crore brand 
that time to be honest as much as i believed in myself even i didn't believe it was going to be a 500 crore brand i didn't i didn't like a month i didn't even think this was going to be a success I was i was not even sure whether i was going to continue doing it for two years so i think one was the real conviction they had on the brand second was that they were willing to invest wholeheartedly for a very long period of time right so um they made it very clear that for as long as the business needed capital they would be providing the capital based on certain terms that we agreed and the third thing was you know the reason that we eventually worked with them was with them it was a guaranteed outcome right so they got into the investment relationship with the view that they would eventually acquire the business i think we were fortunate that we did reasonably well and so they acquired it faster than anyone expected um because we completed from their first investment to acquisition in less than 2 years uh, but that's only because the business did well um and grew really fast but but i think for me as a sort of slightly more conservative person i also liked the fact that i had a guaranteed outcome and knew i would at least make so much right um and and i think all of these things put together was sort of the reason why the partnership worked out it was amazing to work with them and i think um the emotional side as well right i know that the brand is in a good place right now it's in a good home um, and they genuinely believe very passionately about it so my family name is associated with the brand and i know they do a good job with it no no so that's that's the this thing here and and also what you know you come from a pe background and you basically technically you started uh, you know you kind of took a brand you technically made a new brand yeah so how much of okay. that previous experience kind of uh, kind of helped you in in this journey of yours hey honestly zero none of that helped me from a building the business brand all of that perspective the only thing which really really helped me actually was understanding how rare an exit is and how to structure a sort of financial acquisition type transaction i think I had a big head start compared to other entrepreneurs, and I keep speaking to D two C founders. Actually, most of them reach out to me now because they're one of the first few exit stories in India. Um, and, and I think I was fortunate to have that experience because the way I'm explaining it to founders now, um, I feel like they they're starting from a very early place of understanding acquisitions, fundraise, primary, secondary, etc. So I was lucky to have that experience. Nice man, nice, nice. Ronak. Yeah. Hi. Uh, so yeah, nice story, Arun. Congratulations again. So you know, I just want to know that you know, was your product you know like was just limited to India or you know Indian people or you know were you also fortunate to foray into some international market? Unfortunately, yeah. actually, we just started international markets in mid two thousand twenty. So very little work done there. Lots of scope, lots of work left. Will be done. Um, as I said, right, all our products on Doctor Vedya's. Say proudly, Indian on the front end center. So it's my dream to see this product, these products in fifty countries. Um, so, so I know the team is working hard on that, but but not yet. I think it's early days for exports for Doctor Vedya's. So I mean, like you have started basically. Yeah. So, yeah. So did you get any you know rapid response or sort of that? Very so early. far, I mean, uh, whatever you very, very very early days, barely started. Okay. Okay. Fundamentally, I think the, the opportunity is huge. Of course, of course. Uh, so I wanted to ask: How are you uh, approaching this international expansion? Like, you are approaching via your own website or uh, any other marketplace channels? 
Well, we used our own website. We used third-party like Amazon's of the world. Plus, we used offline distributors. So all, all channels actually. It was a new market, so we wanted to try everything. Okay. And are you also, you know, focusing on some, you know, anything specific, you know, product specific, you know, into the international market, which has not been. You know, so yeah. we chose our. Uh, we had enough unique products in our offering as well. So we chose, I think, thirteen to take to the US to start with. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to ask, like, uh, this, this is just a little off topic. Uh, I saw your LinkedIn profile and got to know that you are an uh, angel investor. So I wanted to ask, like, what kind of startups you like to invest in? So I, I, I I've done eleven companies now, and I'm doing two more this month as well. Um, we just committed, so we'll probably invest in June. Um, mostly consumer brands. Um. Consumer internet and enablers to e-commerce. I think those are the spaces I understand. Um, so those are the spaces I largely invest in. Okay, okay, thank you. Cool, guys. Uh, I think we'll just close off now with my one last question, Arjun. Uh, what now? What are you planning now? Now, though, I guess the acquisition has happened already. So are you planning to still stick by and leave the brand? Are you planning to do something new? What's the plan? I'm totally out of the brand. Uh, I'm not running the brand at all. Uh, so, so I'm not running Doctor Vedia's any longer. I uh, they wanted me to run it for a little bit, but I just said it would be disservice to them and 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 or to my team for me to stick around for too long. Uh, because as as long as I stuck at the brand, my team would never accept anybody else running it. Um, so it's been seventy five days now since I've been sort of officially out of Doctor Vedia's. Um, on a day to day basis, I think uh, most of twenty twenty one was actually handover. Um, but yeah, I think it's been seventy-five days uh, now. Um, figuring out what's next, I think I have a few opportunities in front of me that I'm I'm deciding between and should decide over the next forty-five to sixty days at max. Um, actively evaluating some opportunities and and may probably move into the investing world now or, or go back to the investing world. Um, but uh, but until then, I'm I'm actively sort of angel investing. Um, as I said, I also. Mentor seven D to C founders, so they take my time on a structured basis. Um, I work with a early stage venture debt fund called Get Advantage as a venture partner and advisor. Uh, and um, interestingly, also wrote a playbook, a course to build a D to C brand in India, which I'm teaching as a cohort based course in a bunch of places. So I think that's what's keeping me busy right now. Nice, nice. We also hold uh, workshops here. Yeah, I think we should come and take a few sessions here as well. I'm sure. We'd be happy to. So fine, guys. Uh, I think uh, Arjun, uh, how's your experience been uh, of this podcast of this community experience? Great fun. I, I mean, I learned learned how to use Discord and and, and got the amazing opportunity to interact with you guys. I, I think um, thanks for taking out the time to listen to me and and, and it was a pleasure. Yeah, Arjun. I think we should thank you for coming by and and giving us uh, you know all these all these amazing insights, especially about as I say, you know that the. the the nicheer the segment the more interesting the discussions are usually it's because you know we don't know we really don't know how how things work and and there are few insights which you get which probably you wouldn't even have thought about and and that's how you know the cross pollination of ideas ideas happen uh, thanks a lot for coming and and you know giving us giving us this these insights Arjun. it's been a pleasure having you here uh, thanks for taking our time out on a saturday night uh, it's close to midnight now. Hope you have not skipped your dinner, and uh, you know. Hope hope this session was of value to you as well.
that was the episode. Hope you got some rich insights for your idea from this. If you like the episode, do share it with your friends and rate us on Spotify, Google Store and iTunes. If you want to join the Water Cooler Podcast live, join the club at www.thebuildersclub.me. Until next time, upwards and onwards.